Hi there, my name's Adam Spencer, and this is Telstra Behind the Mic. My guest today is Singapore-based Geraldine Kaur. She's the Managing Director for South Asia at Telstra, where she's responsible for the company's growth across Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, India, and Thailand. Geraldine has a strong background in the tech industry with over two decades of regional and global industry experience, a background that she leverages to help enterprises navigate complex digital transformation for Telstra clients. She's also a recipient of Singapore's Women in GovTech Award. She picked this up in 2018 for playing a central role in championing Telstra's focus on diversity and inclusion. She's an active champion of Telstra's brilliant Connected Women Committee within the South Asia team. Geraldine Kaur, welcome to Telstra Behind the Mic. Thanks, Adam. Now, Jerry, before we get into talking about Telstra International, I can't step by the fact that you're the co-founder of The Cheese Artisans and that you, you, you've spearheaded innovative food experiential marketing concepts in Singapore. Tell me a bit more about The Cheese Artisans. Um, yeah, so I started the Cheese Artisans in 2012. I love cheeses. At that time, you know, cheese was still, uh, or artisanal cheeses was still fairly unique in Singapore. And I wanted to bring that experience um, to most of the people um, in Singapore. And thereafter, I actually worked with uh, fine artisanal producers from the UK as well as in France and Italy to bring cheeses to the shores of Singapore. Look, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't mind cheese. I'm pretty simplistic in my tastes. I can tell the difference between you know, cheddar and brie. Yeah. What's one of your favourite really obscure, beautifully out there artisanal cheeses, Jerry? So one of my favourite cheeses is the VSOP Gouda cheese. This is from Holland. And this is a cheese that has been aged for 24 months. So when you eat the cheese, it's got a really nice um, crystallization within that cheese. And it's really great uh, for pairing with red wines um, as well as an aperitif. So this is one of our crowd favorites. And, you know, we, we bring lots of them into the cheese when I was doing the business. The cheese alone sounds great. The pairing with the red wine is where you really captured me. We should probably get on to talking about Telstra International. Now, this is fascinating, Jerry, because it's such an iconic Australian brand. Telstra, one of the best-known Australian corporations that there could possibly be, but not that many people probably know any details about what Telstra does internationally. Give us a bit of a background on, on Telstra International, please. So Telstra has been actually operating internationally for about 75 years. Not many people know that, as you said. Uh, and our international business currently has about employees across 20 countries, delivering services to thousands of businesses, government, carrier, and OTT customers. And what is at the heart of Telstra's international business is our world-class global network. We own and operate the largest intra-Asia subsea network. With a core infrastructure about 400,000 kilometers, so that's big enough to circle the world in almost 10 times. Uh, and for some of those in the uh, tech geek uh, speak, we have about 2,000 global points of presence and connectivity in more than 200 countries and territories globally. So we do both a global enterprise business that supports our data and IP networks. Uh, we also provide a whole lot of network application services such as managed networks, 
unified communications, and of course, some of the new areas such as cloud um, security and modern workplace. We do also have a managed and professional services organization, Telstra Purple, which brings together um, innovative solutions to support our customers' digital transformation journey. Particularly part of this team, we do have a big presence um, of Telstra Purple folks in Singapore, in the UK, um, in Hong Kong as well. You mentioned there within your answer something that the geeks would particularly like. As a geek myself, you talk about those cables and infrastructure spanning the globe. I read an amazing article recently about the vessels that are used to lay down those deep sea cables. The technology is absolutely phenomenal, 10 times circling the world's worth of core infrastructure. Fascinating stuff, Jerry. But of course, over the last 18 months, Telstra's work internationally, like everything, has been profoundly affected by the the COVID pandemic. Um, In particular, it, it changed the way that people interact with the online world in terms of work and keeping in touch with loved ones. How, how was this impact felt on Telstra's international network? Yeah, so obviously the pandemic has such a huge impact, right? And during the last 18 months, this change has really taught us a lot, um, interacting with a lot of our customers. Uh, but more so than ever, you would imagine that telco network, it's so critical because we just cannot lose that connectivity with most of the people working from home. So we did actually experience a 20% year-on-year growth in international capacity usage from September 2020 onwards. Uh, and our core subsea network usage actually rose the most in March 2020, which was when the pandemic struck, um, seeing a 16% increase in just over a single month. Uh, on our IPVPN growth, we increased about 30% in that same month, and that continued to you know, hit new heights, growing up to almost 40% between January and August last year. What we have seen, obviously, with the uh, work from home um, across all of uh, folks across the world, the usage of apps have seen exponential growth. Um, As one of the leading providers of the platform, uh, we all use every day to work. We collaborate and learn. Cisco WebEx, for instance, saw an unprecedented demand on their network and it registered a record 324 million in users in March 2020 alone. And that usage tripled in APAC. Um, so I would say that, you know, during these challenges um, times, uh, thankfully, our infrastructure survived. And we enabled people around the globe to continue to connect with one another, to live, work and play. Um, and today we're starting to see the plateau demand starting, um, the demand starting to plateau to return to levels we would have expected before the pandemic. Hey, but with all the variants that comes, you know, you never, you, you must always be prepared for sort of the next peak. Yeah, and, it, and it, it, it's, it's not a throwaway line when you say the infrastructure survived. I mean, when you're talking 30% growth in certain categories, when you're talking 324 million users registering in one month alone, it is, it's not guaranteed that the infrastructure can handle that sort of rapid growth. How did Telstra manage this unprecedented surge in demand for your resources at that time? Yeah, so thankfully, I mean, this is one thing that Telstra has been doing is to continue to do a long-term investment across our people and infrastructure. So I would say we're quite well-placed and set up to prepare for this um this 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 black swan event, right? So we actually have you know a, a clear vision of the future of the world that we do know that the connectivity would be relied across um higher bandwidth. Um and so we've been preparing that. So that set us up quite well. 
Um, if you look at sort of where telegeography says, you know, the industry spends about $8.7 billion on um, subsea cable construction between 2015 and 19, and an additional $8.1 billion worth of new cables are expected to arrive between 20 and 22. And these are the numbers that are current as of June 21, and I would expect, you know, this, this to continue to grow. And within this, you know, the Trans-Pacific Cable leads the way with about 2.3 billion of new cable investment expected across 2020 and 2022. And then at Telstra, we've prioritized creating a diverse international network for several years. As I've said earlier, our subsea cable infrastructure spans about 400,000 kilometers uh, based on our ownership of fiber pairs. And that investment continues at a pace even during the pandemic. We've increased our core capacity in the global network by more than 16% between January and December last year. Um, but ensuring network resiliency can't be achieved alone. And I'm proud to say that, you know, the carrier industry has really come together as one to share best practices and support one another. Uh, and considering how streaming services have reduced resolutions to minimize data use, at Telstra, we work across with seven of the top 10 FOPs global digital companies to continue to be at the heart of those discussions. So, yeah, the impact, the impact on the technology and your capacity was, was it, it's obvious to see what that would have been, but at the same time, the pandemic must have had an enormous impact on Telstra's staff, wouldn't it? How, how did you adapt your people processes, Jerry? Absolutely. So, well, I think maintaining the infrastructure, it's important. What is important is that we need to support our people and our customers as well. And as our CEO, Andy Penn, has noted, our first priority when the pandemic struck was to really protect our people's safety and well-being, practically and emotionally. And every year, we do have a business continuity plan um, that we continue to, to, to refine that has sort of stepped us in, in good stead. Uh, we've implemented those plans very quickly in each country. Obviously, you know, in certain areas, you know, as you know, in the Philippines, in India, uh, where the pandemic struck much harder, we were able to ensure that we, we work through with the local regulations as well as the local folks to ensure that we better support them. We've done a whole bunch of splitting of teams in different locations to mitigate risk. But um, every crisis is unique, right? More so than a pandemic. So um, when we do that, uh, you know, for instance, if a subsea cable is damaged in a storm, we would normally have a crew of engineers who are at sea for months who, was, who would kind of fix the problem. But during the pandemic, ports wouldn't accept ships as borders were closed. So we had to work with the ports to deal with entry, using supply vessels to restock the ships, and book a whole lot of hotels to quarantine crews as they were relieved. Uh, these circumstances were entirely new to us. Uh, but we were we were lucky that you know we had a good team of people who were able to use their creativity and agility uh, to work through some of these unknowns. As you've adapted your own operations to a pandemic environment and also facing new customer demands, you must have learnt lessons both from your own experiences and from those of your customers. What have you learned over the last eighteen months or so, Jerry? So we learned that success is really built on partnership with customers. And only through true partnership built on shared values and goals are we able to achieve the success through these challenging times. And what we've also learned, agility and flexibility is essential. Take our case with one private healthcare customer in Europe. Um, and at the start of the COVID-19 outbreak, the UK's National Health Service, NHS, 
requested us to use the client's facilities across the UK in an effort to free up the NHS beds. And that included the majority of hospitals as well as staff. And at some locations, many NHS staff were moved on-site. Telstra was able to assist with a change in infrastructure requirements to assist. And changes started to happen very quickly during the early times. Client needed to provide their staff with real-time updates. So Telstra deployed an enhanced conferencing platform within four working hours, which enabled our customer to hold a real-time all-hands update to large audiences. And newly deployed NHS staff were needed to have secure connectivity back to their NHS systems. We were able to reconfigure and upgrade our specific locations in under a week to allow NHS to use dedicated and secure bandwidth back to the specific systems and then allow the majority of the non-clinical staff to work remotely, which enabled us to upgrade their corporate internet access and improve their bandwidth upgrades. So I think you can see from this case, you know, very critical, right heart in, in healthcare. We were able to sort of build this into our customer plans and ensure that as customers dealt with the challenges, we were in lockstep with them to be able to deal with them very quickly, um, but very agilely. My guest today is Singapore-based Geraldine Kaur. She's the Managing Director for South Asia at Telstra, and she's walking us through the, the fascinating presence and operations that Telstra has in that part of the world. Geraldine, we're moving into a post-pandemic era now, but there is still a degree of uncertainty around. What are some of the emerging technologies that Telstra is really excited about at an international level in, in our current climate? So in order to meet the ever-changing challenges and requirements organisations face every day, and you know we are still grappling with this pandemic sort of 18 months down the road, uh, so we need to ensure that our network has to be highly scalable and flexible. And that's why we see a real future in adaptive networks, which really offers flexible billing, software-defined capabilities, and a feature set that's scalable to customers' needs. And within this, we have actually seen a significant potential in software-defined networking technologies, especially given the challenges that organizations are currently facing. So organizations need to cope with this rapidly growing, elastic, and spiky capacity demands from bandwidth-intensive applications such as cloud platforms, mobile workforces, IoT, and big data analytics. And in 2021, we've actually seen a wide-scale use of this new technology to manage and optimize networks um, to deal with those demands. I mean, we're getting such unprecedented uh, demand from our customers requesting us to ensure that, you know, we're more set up and well-prepared this year. We have also seen network automation and innovation being driven uh, by software-defined networking. And this market is expected to hit about 72 million by 2027. Uh, so the key drivers, I think, with this, this adoption is really, you know, customer experience, automation, and of course, cost efficiency, right? With, with the pandemic, we have seen a lot of cost challenges. One of the things that we, we really push with our customers is to ensure that we really support our customers to ensure that they are cost efficient. Of course, technology isn't the only way an organisation like Telstra can be innovative. Carriers can also look to expand and improve connectivity into new markets around the world. What are the drivers for new market expansion? Which regions do you think provide the best opportunity at the moment, Jerry? 
Well, we're definitely seeing a lot of growth in Asia, uh, although a changing of guard is, is occurring, you know, connectivity into and within Asia is no longer being focused on the traditional hubs, but is diversifying. We've seen some of the markets, such as in India, such as in Indonesia, which is exploding, right? Um, some of the mature markets that you see, like in Hong Kong, Japan, and Singapore, have traditionally seen most of the connectivity. But as I've said, you know, some of the tier two countries, Southeast Asia particularly, is an area that we're seeing humongous growth. However, not everything is changing, right? One of the things that are sort of steady state is demand for data, digital experiences and diversity, and that continues to increase every year. Uh, so as telco organizations, we must create long-term proactive plans for subsea, terrestrial and satellite networks to meet and exceed these requirements. And at Telstra, we believe in three focus areas, uh, which is one, the evolution of infrastructure needs to support the world's biggest connectivity hubs. The expansion of connectivity to new markets that we're continuing to scan uh, to ensure that we, you know, we're covered in, in some of these new emerging markets. And the enhancements of our existing infrastructure to optimise connectivity. So what's on the horizon for Telstra International and how do you expect things to change and adapt in 2022 and beyond? Well, in the last 18 months, if that's taught us anything, is that no one can predict what is around the corner. Mm. We must remain agile and be ready to adapt to changing circumstances at a moment's notice. So therefore, the key for all organizations is therefore readiness. We must prioritize technologies and processes that will empower us with insights and then reduce the complexity and obstacles that hinder fast change. What COVID-19 has done is that it has refocused business leaders on what's important, especially when it comes to connectivity. And most importantly, is to be able to drive value from the investments that they make, ensuring that there's high availability and continuity across infrastructure. This past year has really underlined the value of our industry. And as carriers, we continue to enable to work the world to keep on working during this crisis and, you know, it, you know, it makes me even more motivated to get to work every day because it's, it's of great value that we do. So we hope to be able to entrench this new mindset across our industry, where we continue to develop closer relationships with our customers, where we approach big problems with positive solutions, and embody the idea that telcos and cable operators are absolutely essential services. As we wrap this up, Jerry, I, I, I started by talking about your great achievements in the area of artisanal cheese, but I also can't let slide the fact that in 2018, you won a Singapore government's Women in GovTech Award, in particular for your role where you champion diversity and inclusion in Telstra and across the tech industry in general. Tell me a little bit about that award and why you're so passionate on that topic. Yes, yeah, so I think that there was a great award that, that was given um, by one of the publication. Um, I've always been in tech. I've been in tech for 20 plus years. Uh, and, you know, primarily in the early days of tech, it's always been dominated by uh, males more than females. Uh, what we have seen is that as, as, a, as, a, as a woman leader in tech, uh, I feel passionate to continue to really embrace, as you said, um, the diversity and inclusion piece. Uh, we have now, I think, done pretty well on the diverse area uh, but ensuring that just having additional women leaders or women members uh, as part of the tech community is not enough. I feel inclusion is something that's important. Um, so I continually, you know, work um, with, with with my peers and with my colleagues is to encourage more women tech people to to really come on board and really be able to embrace and and, and work towards that and building that community. 
Well said, Jerry. Thank you so much for sharing some time with us today and, and shining a light on Telstra's work internationally and particularly in Southeast Asia. I, I can't wait until sometime in the near future when perhaps we can sit in the same room and I'll polish off one of those VSOP Dutch cheeses together. Until then, thank you so much for your time today, Jerry. Thanks so much, Adam.